This is the Peter Creek Presbyterian Church Podcast. Here at Peter Creek, we honor God by making more disciples for Jesus Christ. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged with this week's message from Pastor Kelly Baldridge. Well, now let me ask you to take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. This October, we have been considering a series called The Five Solas of the Reformation. The five alones, that is, that's what the word sola means, alone. This is speaking toward our understanding of salvation. Uh, The scriptures being the foundation of that. They're the pillars of grace alone and faith alone and Christ alone being what holds up the top, which is the glory of God alone. And that's what we address today. The glory of God alone. Soli Deo Gloria. All of these phrases are seeking to answer the momentous question we all face. How can I be made right with God? How can I stand justified before God in eternity? How can I be justified? And so it's in these alones that it's according to the scripture alone, that it is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and all of that to the glory of God alone. And so we end on this high point. It goes uphill, not down. There is a center part in, in Christ alone, but yet there is this glory of God alone that we come to today. And so let us pray and ask the Lord's blessing on the reading of his word. Most gracious Father, we come to your word, and may there be no distractions, but may our focus and our attention be upon you in your word. And Father, may your spirit guide and direct us in Christ. And so we pray this in his name. Amen. Let us read from verse 33 to 36, and we will focus on verse 36 today. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Who or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. How do you live your life? How should you encourage your children and your grandchildren after them to live? There's an example for us in history from one of the greatest composers to ever live, Johann Sebastian Bach. At every composition that he composed, at least most of them, if not every, at the bottom of his composition would be initials, letters, not J, S, B, but S, D, G, an acronym, Soli Deo Gloria. This great composer of old, 
who has written such things as the Brandenburg Concertos, the Goldberg Variations, Concert for Two Violins in D Minor. They had a way with titles back then. But what do we have from him? A life lived to the glory of God. That Bach did not want those who enjoyed his masterpieces to think that it came from him, that it was his skill and his labor and his work that had produced such wonderful and beautiful things. But rather, all the glory went to God alone. And so Bach lived in light of God and his glory. There's an example for us in him that everything that we do, that every skill that we have, every, every ability that we possess in this world and in this life is a gift from God. It's not something that we have mustered up on our own. It is not something that we had within us, but rather it has been given to us by God. And so our first thought when someone gives us praise, our first thought when someone honors us, our first thought when we are able to do something that we once were never able to do, solely Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory. But how do we get there? How do we get to a point of understanding that all of our life is all of God and all of grace? How do we get to this point that we would live our lives in light of God's glory alone? Well, we know that this is not natural for us to do so. The natural man, that as we are made and as we come into this world, we are those who are sinners and our natural instinct is to want people to praise us. Our natural instinct is to want people to pat us on the back. We want people to come and applaud our accomplishments. We want people to accept us and to love on us and to encourage us for what we have accomplished, for what we have done. And so to get to this point of living for the glory of God alone, it must not come from within, it comes from without. And it comes from understanding a few things rightly. Romans 11 is here containing a summary of all that Paul has said in this great book that he has spoken about salvation, that he tells us that there's none righteous, no, not one. Not one of us contains any righteousness of our own. Not one of us is deserving of salvation. Not one of us is deserving of heaven. Not one of us is deserving of anything that we have gained, anything that we have, that we have. It is all of grace. It is all of mercy. It is all of Christ. It is all because of what God has done. And so this leads Paul to this phrase of worship for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. And so God must be praised. But this summary is not just a summarization of all that Paul said in Romans. It is the summary of the whole universe. It is a summary of all that happens in our world, in history. And it is a summary of all that will happen in the future. It is a summary of all that takes place in our lives and in the lives of those we love. That all the glory should go to God. 
that all of the glory is his and his alone. And so how do we get to the point of living our lives as those who understand and know and desire that the glory belongs to the Lord alone? Well, there's help in this verse. So I want you to see three things. And these three things come from the first half of the verse. But before you are able to say, to him be glory forever, amen. It must be produced by these three things. First, you need to know that everything that is, is according to his sovereign will. Everything that is, is according to his sovereign will. That's why Paul says, for from him are all things. From him, that is from God that he is the creator, that everything that has been made in this world has been made from him, that everything that exists in this world exists because of his doing, that he is the creator of the universe, that before him there is nothing because he has been from the beginning, that there is no matter before God. God does not take that which was and make something of it, God takes that which is nothing and makes something from it. Nothing exists before our God. He is the creator. And so the Bible would help us to see that as creator, there is a distinction between him and us. That he is God, that he is the creator, and we are simply the creation. That he is big and we are small. That he is in charge that he is sovereign, that he rules over all things. And because of that, we are to see ourselves as those who are at his mercy, to see ourselves as his creation, those who are given to his care. That there's a distinction that is way too easy for us to mess up. Because of this distinction, we understand that God deserves all the glory, but it is easy for us to begin to worship that which God has made rather than to worship him who made it. We worship things in this world. We worship things in this life and they take the place of God often. And things that are good things, we can worship our marriage. We can worship our children. We can worship our careers. We can worship wealth. We can even worship our own health. And when those good things that God has given to us become God things, they are no longer good things, but evil things. It is easy for us to put them in a place of priority where only God deserves to be. It is easy for us to miss the distinction between the creator and the creature. That we assume that God needs to do things as we see fit, rather than understanding where we come from and we come from Him. Anything that we do or can do or will do is only because of His gifting. That's what Romans teaches us. That's what the Scriptures teach us, that anything that you and I are able to do is because God has given us a gift. So for everything that is, 
exists due to his good pleasure. Have you ever wondered and looked at a sunset and thought, why is this here? Because God made it. If you've ever considered the beauty of your child, oh, why is it here? Because, or why is he or she here? Because God has produced it. God is the one who creates. God is the one who brings everything into being that is. Nothing existed before him and all matter comes into existence because God speaks it into existence. And so the creator-creature distinction leads us to a life of gratitude. How should we act? How should we respond to understanding that all things come from Him? That means we must be grateful for our God. Not just grateful for the things that He has given us. Indeed, we should be and live lives of gratitude for all of the stuff that we have and all of the things that we experience. But we also must be grateful for Him Grateful to God. In 1 Corinthians, Paul would tell the church at Corinth, For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Because we understand that God is the creator and we are the creation, there is no room for boasting or pride in the Christian life. Christians ought to be the most humble people in the world because we understand that we have nothing of ourselves, that it is all from God. And so there's gratitude to be had. There's no room for boasting in yourself. Perhaps even in this manner, athletes are a good example to us. Oftentimes when you go to a player after the game, what will they say? They'll honor God. Often they will. Sometimes it's just lip service. Sometimes they're just saying it, maybe empty words, because they're thinking, yeah, I really did a lot of work on that touchdown or, or that basket or whatever it may be. But many athletes will honor God. If someone were to put a microphone in your face when you make that best meal at Thanksgiving when your children say, oh, what a wonderful meal this is, or oh, what, what a wonderful quilt you have made, or oh, what a wonderful job you have done on this. If someone were to put a microphone in your face, what would you say? Well, it took some time. It took effort. It took blood. It took sweat. Hopefully it wasn't blood and sweat in the meal. But no, friends, we ought to say, well, glory to God. He has been gracious to give me this ability. He has been kind to allow me to do this for him. And so we live in light of the glory of God. We live in light of the fact that he is the creator and we are the creation and all that we have is from him and from his hand. Have you lost your sense of joy and purpose in life? Have you lost your sense of meaning? Well, knowing the creator-creature distinction brings us joy and purpose. You exist, friend, because of God. You exist because you have been created and there's a creator who loves you and cares for you. There's a creator who has provided for you. There's a creator who who gives generously to his creation. You exist not for yourselves, but because you do not exist by yourself. 
When you remember that you are the creature, you will look at what the Creator has made. You will see the beauty of His creation. You will see what He has done. And then what does it lead you to do? It leads you to have purpose, and your purpose is to honor the Creator. There is joy to be had in worshiping God because you understand that He alone deserves to be worshipped. He alone deserves to be praised. And so when I understand rightly that I'm the creation, that everything that I have is a gift from the Creator, that everything I experience in this world is from His hand, then I will be grateful, but I will also live with purpose and meaning. Some of us turn to many things in this world trying to find purpose, trying to find meaning in relationships or what have you, whatever it may be, when all we really need to do is understand that God has made us and therefore we are His and we are to live for Him. We need to know that everything that is, is according to His sovereign will. But secondly, you need to trust that everything holds together according to his sovereign activity. You need to trust that everything holds together according to his sovereign activity. For through him are all things. Through him are all things. That is to say that everything holds together because our creator is strong and mighty and powerful that everything that exists, everything that he has made, everything that he has put into place, the stars stay in the sky because he keeps them there. The, the earth keeps spinning because he is the one that keeps it spinning. The water cycle keeps cycling because God controls it and keeps it going. You need to understand that everything on earth, everything in the universe, everything in this world is being controlled through Him. That He is sovereign. That He is in control. That it is being held together by His power and might. He governs His creation and nothing is outside of His controlling purposes and power. From the creation itself to the history of the world and to the salvation of his people, God is in control. If God made the heavens and the earth, surely he can keep your life together as well. So nothing happens to you apart from his design. Now listen closely to this. You need to understand what it means to say that through him are all things. That any suffering that you experience, any turmoil that you might face, any trials that you endure, when you feel that life is nearly over, you can trust Him. That the worst of the worst, your greatest nightmares, God is still in control of those things as well. The worst things that can happen to you, the evil things that happen to you, all things are through Him. All things are through Him. If they are not, then He is no longer God. But He is God, friend. And He is in control of all things. 
He is using all things to the purpose of his own will and the purpose of his own design. That God has ordained for things to be as they are, and they are. That he controls the wind, that he controls the storms, that he controls hurricanes, and he controls tornadoes. He controls all things. If he is not in control of those things, he is no longer God. But he is God. He is in control of elections. He is in control of who the president is. He is in control of who the governor is. He is in control of the booth. He is in control of everything. And nothing happens that happens apart from his counsel and apart from his will. And so when we see things that we do not like, when we see things that we struggle with, when we see things that are turmoil and troubling, and when we endure things that we suffer in and we face consequences of life and and we, we face these difficulties, what must we do? We must trust him. And we must trust that everything is being worked out according to his purposes. But you must understand something about God. That all of his purposes are good. That all of his purposes are good. Even the worst of times in your life, God means for good. God's plan of redeeming his people was not thwarted by Satan's attack. Think of the cross. Think of your salvation. Your salvation rests not in your doing or what you have done, but in what Christ has done. And so when we think of the cross, when we understand this, when we think of what Christ did on the cross, we see Satan attacking, we see the enemy responding, perhaps even Satan as Christ breathes his last breath upon the cross and he says it is finished and he breathes his last and he says, into your hands I commend my spirit and he dies. The enemy perhaps says, hurrah. The enemy perhaps says, we've won. No, that was all part of God's plan. All part of his purposes. That even in that moment in history, it seems as if God has lost. No, that was part of his purposes and his plan from the beginning. That he would redeem a people for himself by becoming like us. That taking for himself a body. That he would live like us, but without sin that he would obey perfectly, that he would have this act of obedience, that he would live a life to the glory of God, that Christ would die the death that you and I deserve to die, that he would be the perfect sacrifice for sin, and that God would be satisfied, the Father would be satisfied with his work, that he would be raised from the dead. All of that, because through him are all things. He was in control in your salvation for you had a heart of stone. You couldn't save yourself and perhaps he has removed that heart of stone and given you a heart of flesh so that you would believe the gospel and be saved. It's through him, friends, are all things. God was and is in control. So if you trust God in your salvation, You can also trust him when life is full of trouble. For the Lord Jesus makes it very clear, doesn't he? In this world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. And so we look to him who is in control. But then lastly, not only do we see from him and through him, but also it says to him, 
or all things. And so, friend, you ought to know everything finds its purpose in him. Everything finds its purpose in him, to him. Everything in this world is to his glory. Even the worst of things in this world are being worked out according to his sovereign plan and will so that he would be glorified. Everything that happens, everything that occurs is going to the glory of God. Even the worst of things God means for his glory and he will be glorified in it. What we're doing here is presenting you with a very, very, very big God. Because when life happens, when troubles come, when sorrows are great, when you are grieving, you do not need a small God who just pats you on the back and says, there, there. But you need a big God who is in control. And that all things are going to his glory. That when life is a struggle and there are evils all around, that you can trust in him. And so glory, what must we do with this? Well, glory speaks of the weightiness of God. That is the word glory. What does it mean to to glorify God? What does it mean that there is glory? Well, glory speaks of the weightiness of God that when the last time when, when is the last time, let me say, when is the last time that you listened to a song and it weighed heavy on you? When is the last time that you watched a movie and, and you maybe had to stay in the theater and just embrace what was there? We don't deal much with weightiness anymore. Instead, we give ourselves to mind-numbing entertainment. I don't know about you, and I'm not trying to go on a little side note here about movies and television and things like that. But they don't make them like they used to, do they? There's not any weightiness to them. You can watch some episodes of old shows, and, and they have some really strong meaning, and they teach. But we have given over in our culture to this mind numbing entertainment, we have given ourselves to these light things. Light, trivial things that do not last, that do not have any effect. So many things seem light. Architecture even. We, we sit in a building that is a beautiful building. Our, our sanctuary is a beautiful sanctuary. The woodwork is astounding. The, the rocks that were uh, hewn to, to create this building are, are breathtaking at times. But oftentimes when you see new things being built, they are simple there's no design in them. But you look at the past and you see um, something out of England or you see something in certain cities in America from the 1600s, 1700s, and you see the artwork and the design that goes into it. There's a, a weightiness about it. When you see it compared to a modern metal building, you think, huh, huh. But there's a weightiness to God. There's a weightiness to His glory. Glory speaks of the weightiness of God. Then also glory leads to a seriousness about life. We spend so much time on trivial things. Uh, Some of you do not have Facebook. And let me tell you, continue in your glorious journey of not having Facebook. Because uh, let me just give you a hint. We get Facebook and we scroll from hour on end with trivial things. 
We are caught on our phones. We go to dinner with other people and we're not even with them, even though we're sitting across from them because we're on our phones. Because we are given over to trivial things and we're not taking life seriously because we do not take God seriously and we do not take his glory seriously. But when we consider the glory of God, when we consider that all things are to him, it will change how we live in the moments of life. That as we are with others, we are seeking God's glory in our conversations. That when we are with our spouse, we are seeking God's glory in our marriage. That if we are with our children or our grandchildren, we are seeking God's glory with that. So we begin to live differently. We take serious the things of life and do not consider the trivial things worthy of our time. And so glory, the glory of God. We see all of this World, All of the things that are happening are for the purpose of his glory. But also, friends, when we understand that, it actually gives us purpose as well. Too often we live as if nothing matters. We settle for small emotional things and not the big things of God. Oftentimes there's an indifference to the things of God is because we have attempted to give glory to other things. And so we have not sought God's glory. But all things come from Him. And all things come through Him, being held together through Him. And all things are to Him. Uh, Steve Lawson teaches us about how God has designed His glory to be known in human history. He says, all in history and providence is to put on this greatness of who he is, that God has built the stage for human history and written the script and is the director, bringing to pass the storyline he wrote long ago. And so we have a way to live by trusting God, by living in gratitude to him. So how can we apply this? Well, the application is in that last part of the verse. To him be glory forever. Amen. And so we worship him. We worship this great God. We worship what God has done. No, we worship him. For he is the one that has done it. We live lives in light of his glory. We live lives that are in tune to him. And our purpose for life, our purpose for living, our purpose in all things is so that we would worship him, that we would give him praise for he is worthy of worship. He is worthy of praise. But then I also want you in a way of application to do this, to see how big God is, that he is the one who made all things, that he is the one who controls all things, and all things go to him. That, friends, the worst of times and the best of times are all in his hands. And perhaps what you and I need to sing is what we've taught our children to sing. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world. His hands. Let's pray. Father, all is in your hands. 
You, O God, in Christ are holding all things together so that things don't just fall apart, so that we don't just fall apart. That while there's breath in our lungs, while we are here, O God, it is because you have brought us here and you are sustaining us. And so, Father, we rejoice that it's all happening for your glory and because you are a good God, all of those things that are happening for your glory are also for our good. And so we rejoice in you, our God. And so help us to remember the simple truth that you have us in your hands. It's in Christ's name we pray. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If God has used this message to influence you or you would like more information about our church, connect with us on the Peter Creek Presbyterian Church Facebook page. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages from Pastor Kelly Baldridge.